lives? What do you want to accomplish in the next five years? And asking God for big visions and then asking the question, how do we begin to step into it in a really practical way? And so I want you to come, uh, uh, I want you to be able to actually have your Bible, Genesis chapter one. Um, that's where we're going to start this morning. I'm going to pray for us and then we'll jump in. Let's pray. God, you're good and your word is faithful and true. And so we're coming with our hands open for you to declare and show us exactly who you are and what you want to do. We're committed more than anything to listening to your voice and trusting you through your word. And we believe that from that place there's life. So Lord, release life. That's what we're asking. In the name of Jesus, amen. Do you ever watch that and just wish you could do that? Have you ever watched that and try to do that at all? Anybody ever done that? Am I the only one? Can I just try to do that? Okay, now, a serious question now. Did, did anybody ever grow up doing tap lessons, ever, at any point in time? Come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we got a bunch. No, raise them up high. Yeah. No, I feel like we could put this team together. Let's do this. Wouldn't it be amazing if, like, New River had the thing? Like, where we all tap dance? No? I, are y'all not amazed by that? I'm amazed by that. That is incredible talent and ability just to move your feet like that. I couldn't do that. At, not, at half speed, I could not do that. I mean, I don't even have the coordination, but much less movement that quickly. And you know what's amazing is actually movement at the speed and having that rhythm down. Rhythm is amazing. If you think about what rhythm actually is or does, it, it's, it actually is like this powerful force because I was thinking about rhythm this week. Rhythm is, it actually creates things. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but if you just take a musical note and throw it out there, you just have a sound. But if you take that same sound and you put rhythm into it, you do something that transforms the soul. You do something that moves people emotionally, even spiritually. Rhythm is creative. Rhythm also has this ability to like sustain you and move you through, help keep you on track, right? You ever had a coach that uh, you're trying to get somewhere, maybe you're trying to win the championship and the coach is telling you, you just gotta keep with it. And if you keep fighting, if you keep stay, if you stay after it and you keep going and you, you keep doing your drills, all right, then it's gonna make you better. You ever had that and he's cheering you on and you do, and you kind of rhythmically, you keep doing the same thing. And what it does is it begins to create and put something in you that you didn't have before by just doing it over and over and over again. So it has this creative power. It has this ability to kind of sustain you and move you through. But it also, rhythm also is that one anchor, that thing that you can kind of rest on a little bit when you feel like nothing is happening. Because everybody's been there. 
where you're wanting something to take place, or maybe you're looking for a transformation in your life, or you're asking God maybe to do something uh, that's on the horizon. You've got some, maybe some worries, and you're saying, God, I don't know how this is going to change. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep doing the same thing. I'm going to have this anchor that I do to sustain me and to walk me through this even when I don't feel like, and I'd say especially when I don't feel like anything's actually happening. It's that thing we can keep pointing to and say, I'm just gonna keep coming to this place because nothing feels right, but I'm just gonna keep moving forward. So rhythm has this powerful force in our lives, right? And we all have, we have all kinds of different rhythms that we do from kind of that, the waking hours from eight to 5.30 during those daytime hours, we all have these rhythms, right? That's the moment at which all of kind of life is happening, right? We do the school thing and we do the laundry thing and we have meetings and we're on the phone and we're going out, we're trying to slay the dragons, right? We're doing all the stuff and we have these rhythms to kind of keep everything in motion, right? And it, sometimes it becomes part of the t- routine and sometimes we love routine. Now, some of you like, you're f- free spirits and you're like, routine is the, the devil, can't. It, it messes up my creativity. But some of you are like, you're routine people. Like you need, how many of you are to say, I'm a routine person. I need my routine, right? Right? Because so, you're like, it's really good. It's good because you're going, you got things, and then you get to Christmas break, and then you're like, you fall apart as a human, right? That's because it's like summer break, it messes you up because you're like, you need your routine. And you're like, I just thank God, I, Jesus, thank you that you came on this earth as a baby but can we please get back to school and work and make sure that we can get through this? Like we got to navigate through this, right? Because we're just, because we're such, we're, we become a part, we need that routine to keep us, as I said, that rhythm that keeps us moving forward. And we all have those. We have versions of rhythms that we do from eight to 5.30 all the time. Here's my question. That eight to 5.30, that's a, there's a nine and a half hour window where there's lots of stuff that we got to accomplish. But there are 14 and a half other hours in the day. And I'd venture to say that there's not as much or in fact very little rhythm and routine with it. And that I wanna throw out just a challenging paradigm and it comes from the word of God for us to begin to consider that that 14 and a half hours that are not done in the daylight that we see those in a unique way. And I think the scripture is gonna speak to that. If you'll look in Genesis chapter one, verse five, we're going back to the very beginning. God is speaking all of our known universe into existence. It doesn't exist. He's the only thing that exists. And he's speaking it forward. And we come to this place in Genesis chapter one, verse five, God called the light, so he creates this light, and he says, that's day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Now, there's something super unique about this scripture, because he calls the light day, and he calls the darkness night. And then, here's what it says. Then there was evening, and then there was morning. Now, when you read that, does it mess you up just a little bit? Because you're going... Wait, wait, wait. Isn't it morning and then evening? That's the day, right? That's how the day goes. But that's not, how, that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says, it was literally written by the Holy Spirit. There was evening and then morning. 
And so we tend to think of our day as like it starts at eight o'clock, but that's actually not the created order. And in fact, that's not how historically the people of God saw the day. If you go all the way back to because of Genesis chapter one, verse five, the Hebrew day, because of that scripture, starts in the evening. Did you know that the Hebrew, the Jewish day starts at sunset? And that's when their day begins. Now, does that mess you up just a little bit? Just to think about that for a second. I, you know, we got to, I got to experience, experience this very, very much firsthand. My son, Luke, and I had a chance this past fall to go to Israel. And we're just asking the Lord for ways that God's asking us to, as a church to partner with what God is doing in Israel and calling his people to himself, opening their eyes to see the Messiah. It's a really powerful time, so we're there. But one of the most crazy things we experienced is it's Friday night and the sun goes down. Now, Friday night in America, sun goes down. What is it? It's party time. Yeah, somebody said it. Party time. You know. All right, you need to pray. But you know what I'm talking about, okay? Right? It's party time Friday night. You go to Israel Friday night, the world shuts down. The craziest and the the coolest thing ever. There's no one out. The streets are quiet. You know why? Because they've come to the end of the week and a new day has started. It's the seventh day, the day the Lord rested. It's their Sabbath, their Shabbat. And so Friday night, the world stops. And they're giving themselves wholly to the Lord from that sunset through the next day until the next sunset. And then life kicks back up again. And it's this most amazing experience where you begin to see a rhythm from the Lord that God has designed for this 14 and a half hours. And that in fact, in God's, if you will, creative mind, the 14 and a half hours starts before the daylight And there are things that God wants to do in that moment. And so here's our challenge this morning. What if God declared, well, if, let me say it, if God declared this as the beginning of day, if he said that evening is the beginning of the day, then might it be that God has maybe just as much purpose with this 14 and a half hours as he does the last nine and a half hours of our day? And I want to look at that this morning. Because rather than us thinking our day starts at eight when we get all the things in motion, I think the Lord would love for us from his created order to come and say, the day is starting in the evening. Lord, what do you want to craft in me? Because I think there's something very personal and there's something very unique that the Lord wants to do. And so we want to begin to ask this question, what would it look like for us to anchor our evenings and our mornings with intentional purpose and design as much as, if not more so, than we do in the middle of the day so that when we come to the middle of the day, no matter what happens, the highs and the lows, our hearts and our lives have been anchored in the rest of the Lord. What if we could come to it and look at it a little bit differently, right? You have a, just imagine, an amazing evening, sleep, and an amazing morning to anchor you through the day that you have in front of you. I think that's something that the Lord wants us to maybe just take a little bit of look at. And so it's entirely possible for us, if you will, to have a really bad day. But if we start our day in the evening full of life and what God has for us, I think we can, it, it's a sustaining power to take us through that time. And so here's, here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to very briefly 
go over two main things that the scripture talks about that have to take place during that time for us to kind of apply ourselves to. And I can be, I'm going to tell you like just up front, I was so convicted. I'm writing this sermon down like, oh my gosh, I've never preached to myself more than right now. Okay. I think this is going to press on some things for every one of us. Are there some things, there's, there's a couple of things that have to happen, and I want to just go over those things. We'll look at them in scripture, and then we're just going to ask the Lord to do it. All right, two critical things that have to happen in this 14 and a half hour window that we have. Number one, rest. Number one, rest. A vast chunk of this 14 and a half hours is actually meant for rest. And when I say rest, creating an actual rhythm for rest, coming to that place, and, and, and giving our, literally, our bodies and our minds a place of, um, of reprieve, if you will. And then two, the second thing is connection. The second thing the Lord wants to do in this time is connection. So rest and connection. And so the question is, what are our rhythms for rest? And what are our rhythms for connection? And what does the scripture have to say about that? These are the fundamental truths. If, if you will, I want you to look, you can look at Ephesians chapter five. Listen, um, the scripture is going to say this. Taking care of the physical body is a spiritual act. Thinking about your bodies that are intertwined with your souls is a very spiritual reality. Ephesians chapter five, verse 28, we'll throw it up on the screen. Ephesians 5, 28, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as what? Their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his what? Body. Okay? So what the scripture is saying here is part of being able to love your wife or love your spouse or even your children or coworkers starts with having a healthy love and care for ourselves. Meaning that there is a part of actually receiving the love, the radical love of God and knowing who we are in Christ and being able to see that he's crafted, created us both, both with our souls and our bodies. And what, the way he would describe it is, what, what Paul says to the church is, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes it and cherishes it. I mean, there is a care given to the soul and given to the body that's right and good. Because why? Because that's how Jesus treats us. Jesus looks on his body and says, it's, it needs nourishment and care. And so there's this incredible dual picture going on where it says, hey, take care of your bodies in very practical terms. Make sure that there is a care that's taking place for yourself. And the idea here is that from eight to five, we're out slaying it and doing all the things and giving all the effort and making the job go and making the families go and making all of the decisions that have to be made. But there's this window where you have to ask the question, are we actually caring for ourselves 
in a way that is in alignment with what Jesus says, I'm here to care for the body. Meaning Jesus is looking at every one of us saying, I'm here to care for you. I have design, I've got a plan that I want for you, your life, your heart, your body, your mind, your soul. And so we have this incredible picture. Are we getting enough care? And, may, and very practically, on this 14 and a half hour window, the question is, are we getting enough sleep to have energy that we need to do the things that we're called to do during the daytime? And I just wanna just point very specifically to the issue of sleep because we are, as a culture, increasingly becoming less and less and less a people of sleep and more and more and more a people of activity, and it's happening all the time. Constant motion, constant things. And so there's all kinds of studies that are actually done. There are conclusive studies done on sleeplessness, and all of them, They'll say they lead to the same thing. Sleeplessness leads to irritability, anger, depression, and mental exhaustion. This is over and over again. You can actually Google it. But basically, the bottom deal, studies show that when you have not slept well, you don't eat well. When you have not slept well, you're not in a good mood. When you've not slept well, you don't have as much energy. And basically, from those things, everything else spirals out of control. And so there is a care for the body that has to take place. So if your nutrition is compromised and your mood is compromised and your energy is compromised, uh, and, and we don't have those things in that 14 and a half hours, then what happens is the other nine and a half hours, that eight to 5.30, that's the part that ends up being compromised. And our day is shot before it even starts. And so there's a real truth in saying, hey, is there a healthy rhythm for our lives, for this issue of rest. Rest in, we'll talk about rest in the soul in just a minute, but rest in our bodies. And so if we just flipped our minds around just for a second and said, hey, if, the day, if my day starts in the evening, then what are the rhythms that I might just come to the Lord and say, Lord, how can I begin to partner with the care that you wanna give to me, my heart, my mind? They're literally, so this issue of sleep is so important, they, they, were, they were doing studies on this. This is one of the studies that I got to see. And they took 14 people and they split them up half and half. And they, they took these the guys and, and what they did is half the group, seven of those people, they gave them seven or more hours of sleep as they were doing this study. And then the other half of the group, they gave them less than seven hours of sleep each night during the study. And then what they did is, without telling them, they secretly introduced the rhinovirus, which is basically the common cold, into the group. Which seems a little shady, but this is the study, so I didn't, I didn't write the study, I'm just reporting on it. But they, they slipped the, the rhinovirus out there, right? And the, so these, so the people who got more than, the, the group that got more than seven hours of sleep three times more likely to not catch the cold just by getting sleep. This is just a very practical study to track people's lives and go, hey, there is a rhythm for life and it does include sleep. God actually cares about our bodies. They're important. They're meant to be loved and cherished. Jesus loves it and cherishes it. 
And we're called to love and cherish it so that, and from that, because when we do, we're able to love and treasure and love and, and, and cherish other people as well. And so this is, there is, there's gotta be a healthy rhythm for sleep. Now listen, my, my wife knows very well that I'm preaching to myself. She knows this because I don't always do sleep really great. I like nights and I kind of like mornings. We have young families, so you're just you know, up at six trying to get everything together, right? You guys that you have young families, it's like there is no morning. It's just chaos from the get-go, right? So you feel this a little bit. And I, I'm feeling this way even as I'm looking at this. And I'm going, what does a healthy rhythm of starting a brand new day when the sunset comes? What does it look like for my heart, life, soul, and body to be cared for so that during those 8 to 5.30 hours, those win- that window, that I can be all that God's called me to be in this life? If you will, for all of us as we've been asking this question, in the next five years, what the Lord has for us, what are the rhythms necessary to get there? And part of it is in this 14 and a half hour window. And are we saying yes to those rhythms? So there's the first part. The first part is a rest in our bodies. But secondly, there's a rest in our soul because we need connection. We're made for and need connection, right? There's a bodily rest, but that's only one component. There is a soul rest that is needed. There's a soul rest that's needed. Matthew chapter 11, if you've gotten to grow up in the church, you've heard this scripture before, but it's so unbelievably powerful because these are the words of Jesus himself speaking to you and me directly saying, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your souls. So Jesus knows there's a spinning of the wheels and a movement, if you will. There's a labor that's happening that's way more than just our bodies. There is a labor that's happening to care for all the things that are going on around us that that's having an effect on the soul. There is a rest that's needed for the soul. And what Jesus says is my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, listen, the daytime's full. There's a hundred things that come after our energy, our time, our attention. And I'm a, listen, I'm a firm believer in walking with Jesus throughout all of those things, speaking and, you know, the scripture, pray without ceasing, being engaged. But there, listen, very clearly, there is a place to come to the Lord for rest. And I think that coming to the Lord for rest includes putting down the laptop and the phones and the books and the homework and all of those things and saying, I'm coming for real, authentic connection with you first and foremost for rest for my soul for if you will restoration coming to the Lord and putting a time aside somewhere in that 14 and a half hour window that evening sleep morning finding that place right we're out eight and a half eight to five thirty guys we're out killing it but where's the place where's the rhythm for actual true authentic connection Sleep is that place for body restoration, but the presence of Jesus is that place for soul restoration. And my concern is that if we don't actually 
put a rhythm in place for that, then all of the dreams and all the things that are in our hearts to do, even in the name of Jesus, we're going to find ourselves tumbling over and worn down in the end, trying to do it in our own strength. And Jesus is saying, hey, all the labor, all the things that are going on out there, come to me and find rest for your souls. I'll exchange all the burdens that you bring in, all the covering of your families and the making sure that things are right at the workplace and all of the stuff that piles in on us. There's a rest that doesn't come from the fixing of any of those, those things because we, as we all know, right, there's always stuff. How many of you know there's just always stuff? It never goes away, right? Man, yeah, I mean, just, just even, I remember thinking, man, just once our kids are out of diapers, man, this thing is gonna be smooth sailing, Right? <laughs> And then you figure out that's not true. There's new challenges at the next phase. And that's true with parenting. It's true with marriage. That's true with any arena or place in life. There's just always new challenges. And Jesus is going, hey, the challenges are going to always be there. It, what is the rhythm for coming to get rest, restoration for the soul? For where I can come and speak to some of the things that are going on inside of you. I love that scripture, Psalm 46. Listen, be still. Be still and know that I'm God. I, I love God being so present in the 8 to 530. I'm just asking the question, is there a place, a rhythm to come for restoration to be still and say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put the stuff down. And so the question becomes, how do we do this? How do we create that rhythm? How do we create that moment for us to have that place of rest and connection, authentic connection with the Lord? Just a few things to give to you, and then we're just going to finish with worship this morning. Number one, listen, you got to find your time, all right? From sunset to sunrise, what's your time? Not meaning like, hey, I got to, and if, just for clarity, if, if, if you grew up in the church, it's entirely possible that when I talk about time with the Lord, what you immediately think is quiet time. And it's possible you've got like a youth pastor in your mind going, you guys got to do your time with Jesus every day. And also you need to throw away your Metallica CDs. And you know what I'm saying? Like, and then you can't stop. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about? Like, hey, I, 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 I thank God for, I, I thank God for my youth group. Man, we were going for it. We were going for Jesus. But it was also a little bit like, if you don't have your quiet time, the devil's going to kill you. you know, just a little bit, like a little bit fear-based. You know what I'm talking about? So it's possible you have a religious mentality. I mean, I just, I'm con maybe more confessing. It's easy to have a religious mentality about saying, no, I need to build a rhythm of my life to have restoration of my soul. And it's not about like you checking the box to say you had a quiet time. It's actually to say, Lord, I'm, here's all the stuff in my heart. And I'm bringing this to you, the good stuff and the bad stuff. And I need recharging so that I can do eight to five at the end of this day. That makes sense? And that's a different way of coming to the Lord, where you see him as the partner to come to, who is ready to care for your soul, who is ready for you to be still and receive from him. That's a good place to be. That's a safe place to be. And so uh, it's entirely possible that if you think God's a little bit upset and angry and he's beating you down because you haven't done good enough, that it's hard to go spend time with the Lord. But I'll just tell you, that's not what the scripture says about who Jesus is. 
What he says is, if, you're, if you've, you've labored and you're heavy, come and receive. So we got to find the time. So, so, so listen, some of you are nighttime people and some of you are morning people, right? It's, but somewhere in the start of your, if you will, Jewish day, from sunset to sunrise, where's your time? Find your time, make your time, right? Find that moment, right? And this is what we see. This going, goes all the way back to Genesis. Well, Adam is walking with God in the cool of the day. It just talks about that in scripture. The sun goes down, the, the, the evening breeze comes through, and God and Adam are walking together. Now, that's just crazy. That's like a whole other sermon. That's amazing, but this is what, this is what the Lord wants. In fact, I, I love, uh, as, even as I looked at my wife, uh, uh, her grandmother, Grammy McKithen, she just talks, oh, like, she just talks, she just, she can't talk about anything else but Jesus. It's just like, like, hey, how, Grammy, how, how do you make those amazing biscuits? Well, Jesus, let me tell you, he, this is what he does. It's like, man, it's just like, that's just what's coming out of her all the time. Just, she just talks about Jesus all the time. And she, she just, all you'll hear, the Lord's desire to walk and talk with you in the cool of the day. So I'm going to go all the way back to Adam. The father's looking at you by, and he's saying, my spirit is here and present and ready to walk with you in the cool of the day. Maybe your cool of the day is the morning. Maybe your cool of the day is the evening. But can we find that cool of the day? Let's find that cool of the day. Find the time. Genuine connection. That's what Jesus has. And Jesus had it with his father, Mark chapter 135. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and he went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. There it is. Jesus was starting his day off, his cool of the day in the morning, just saying, Father, I need authentic connection with you. It's a powerful thing. Jesus did amazing things from that place. Secondly, so number, number one, find the time. Number two, kill the interruptions. Kill them. Kill the interruptions. Now, this is where pastor's going to get a little bit honest. <clears throat> My wife and I have had some pretty honest discussions about notifications. Because everybody need to grab this right now. Everybody pick it up. You got it. It's here. All right? We need to talk about this. All right, Pastor, got to have a frank conversation with everybody about this. Because, listen, I thank God for technology and all the ways it's bridging the world together and all the great things it can do. But church, this can become a connection killer. And I'd be the first to confess I've been there. It can become a connection killer. And one of the things my wife's like, my phone is beeping all the time. And she's, I mean, she's, we've had this conversation. She's alarmed by the number of, of, of notifications that are coming up, popping up. And here's my problem. I just love the news. Love it. I want to know what's going on in the world. And so I got these notifications coming in. But here's the problem. I've learned that everything is breaking news. Everything. <laughs> everything is breaking news. Literally. Did you know that the Canadian prime minister spent $200 on donuts this, this past week? He spent $200 on donuts, and everybody was up in arms because he spent too much money on donuts for his cabinet for their winter retreat. And the Canadians are upset. You know why I know this? Stupid notifications. I'm, I, when I know about the purchasing prowess of the Canadian prime minister, there's a problem. 
So I'm actually confessing this to you. I wish I could say, like, I'm killing it on this. The Lord was like, I'm writing this message, and the Lord's like, oh, baby, we got to talk. All right? I'm feeling this. I went through my phone this week. I didn't even tell my wife this. I went through my phone this week. I turned off all my notifications. I had more than 40-something apps that full notification privileges, just banners, and notif- just blowing stuff up. And I'm like, is it necessary is it necessary? And maybe, may, <laughs> oh, that was so amazing. Thank you, Jesus. That was incredible. Love that. Oh my gosh. It's so good. All right. Hey, I don't, what was I saying? Something about God. Yes, yes. Distractions are bad. I would just say this. It's just time to be honest about what is stealing from authentic connection. And I just say, certainly first and foremost with the Lord. But maybe even secondarily, and we'll come to this moment here and talk this a little bit, but even with the people that God's called you to, to, to love the most, those people that are in your home, those loved ones around you. So it's time to say, no notifications. I totally came up with that myself. I didn't see that anywhere else. Somebody, somebody copyright that for me. Okay, all right. <clears throat> Listen, if it helps you, do not disturb in the evening. When your day starts in the evening, if you will, in the Jewish day, come on. Put it on do not disturb. Do whatever's necessary, but let's have authentic connection and let's not be distracted, <laughs> all right? Nobody needs to know about no prime minister and his donuts. All right. Finally, where am I at here? We've got to wrap this thing up when we bring our, our worship team up. Listen, it's important in that place of connection with Jesus that we begin just to ask him, Lord, what do you have to say about me? Because the truth is this, it's entirely possible that we're looking for rest for our souls in the next comment or like on the app. And just being really candid, if, if you need the comment or the like in order to feel validated, I would just begin to ask the question, is that a, the life that you want to live? We got to just be willing to deal with these things. Listen, come to Jesus when you need validation. It's this is, and I'm speaking this just by faith. Let, let's be a people. He, he will tell you. He's ready to tell you whatever it is that you need. All right, just in like, like real terms, Jesus is ready to speak to you, certainly about who you are and your identity and your calling and all that God's got for you in this next five years. He's ready to speak those things to us. Can we slow down and find that place? Come to him. Let's declare it. Let's get before him. And then finally, we'll finish with this, and I'm going to ask our team to come up, and we'll just finish out in worship. Listen, finally, make amends. Make amends. In that 14 and a half hours, Ephesians chapter 4 puts it so powerfully and succinctly. Verse 26 and 27, be angry and don't sin. Be angry and do not sin, meaning, just for clarity, Paul's speaking to the church, and he's saying, hey, listen, there's, a, there's an anger and an indignation that's righteous. Don't, don't go down the road of sinfulness in it, right? 
a powerful and beautiful march that just took took place in Washington, D.C., right, where people are standing up in righteous indignation, saying, the unborn are lives God's crafted and created. There's a righteous indignation, and it's okay to be angry about things that are evil and horrible. But in that place of coming before the Lord with those things, he says, don't let, and as you come, don't let anger eat you up. Keep in righteous indignation, but don't get to go down the road where we become indignant and we become broken. And so what he says is this, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now here's the picture, right? The sun coming up, the sun going down. Here's what he's saying. Don't start your day in a place of anger. We often look at it as don't finish your day as a place of anger. But here's what he's saying. If the Jewish day starts when the sun goes down, what he's saying is you don't want to launch your life in a place of unrighteous, broken anger. Because he knows this, it actually gives an opportunity to the devil. It opens up the door. And so if there are broken places, and I would say this broken relationships, places where there's hurt and woundedness, don't start the day. Don't start the day in a place where you find yourself opening the door for the enemy to come in and see dissension and disunity. Make amends. If there's hurt between you and the Lord, then begin to bring it to him and be honest with him about it. If there's a, a broken relationship in your home, what Paul's saying is don't, go, don't allow that to be an open, festering wound. Bring it to each other and make amends. Come in humility and, and ask the Lord to deal with this thing before your day launches. This is, a, this is a special and important 14 and a half hours. How will we treat this? We've, we've gotten good at the, the eight and a half, or the nine and a half, the eight to 5.30. Can we do this other part well? What would the Lord say to us about authentic connection, about finding a time to find rest for our souls and being with him? for our lives to be cared for so that we've got all the energy in the world to care for all the world out there. That's what the Lord has for us. You have incredible things that you're meant to do in the kingdom for others. We have a window of opportunity to receive, to be pulled up by the Lord. And I'm asking the Lord to do some things in me, to rewire some things, even as we're starting this new season of prayer and fasting. Lord, help me see. What do you want to do in this window? You guys stand with me. We're just going to ask the Lord. I don't think there's a better song to declare than just to say, every hour I need you. We, we sang that song, but we're going to sing it again because that declaration, every hour, every hour I need you. I just say every hour, even the ones where our eyes are shut, we need you bringing rest to our bodies, bringing health to our relationships, bringing authentic connection. Let's just begin to ask him. We're going to worship and then we'll finish and dismiss here. God, would you right now write on our hearts that we need you every hour, the dark hours and the bright hours, the quiet hours and the loud hours. Lord, we need you. Let's sing.